This morning, what I'd like to do is I've pulled together a few of the devotionals and I want to just share them with you so that you've got an idea of what's in the book and you can figure out what's going on. So it's an easy way for me to, to, to share with you some important thoughts I've worked on hard and yet uh, did not have time to write something when Friday I realized that our plans for today had uh, fallen apart. So here we are. Your first devotional for the day. From Psalm 28, I took verse 3 and verse 5 and I've put them together and here's what they say. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Because they don't regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands, he will tear them down and build them up no more. This is a powerful one-two punch with these two verses. The first part, verse 3, don't drag me off with the wicked. There's really a truth in the fact that we become like the people we hang around. I don't care what age we are. We become like the people we hang around. As Pastor David was preaching this morning and telling the, the story about his work on the construction crew, the, either Pastor David was going to become like the people he was hanging around or through the strength of his walk with Jesus, those people were, if they hung around him long enough, going to take on some of his traits and attributes. We need to be careful which people we run with. I I teach it to my kids. I teach it to young adults. When you're out in the marketplace, when you're at work, you need to be careful who you run with because they will influence you. And you don't want to be drug off with the wicked. There are people who speak peace while have evil in their hearts. I would love to tell you that this world is loaded with happy people who want the very best for you. And there are some people like that. But there are also jealous people. There are selfish people. There are people who may sound real good, but in their hearts, they will take delight when something negative happens to you. We don't want to be those people. We don't want those people to be our running buddies, as we would say in Lubbock. We want to be the light that's on the hillside, the salt that hasn't lost its saltiness. We want, by the way, I got to, look, this is free day, okay? You got no written lesson to see if I'm throwing stuff in. So Pastor David's preaching from Matthew 5 this morning. And he preached 5.13, which is this passage. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Lost its taste in the Greek. Do you know what the root word is for that? Some of you might. 
Sneed, you might know this stuff. The root word for that is the Greek word mores. It means fool. The, the, the cognitive sense of what's going on here, the message behind what Jesus is saying is when the salt has lost its saltiness, that salt has been turned bland, it's been turned useless, it's diluted. And it's the same word for the mind that can be diluted. Not diluted, this is a pun, D-I, you know, diluted like, you're so diluted. No, dilute, diluted, T-E-D. Diluted. Yeah, diluted, as we say in Lubbock. You've been diluted. Um, it, it's, it's the idea that the salt, that's what a fool is. It's someone whose thinking has been diluted. Where you're no longer able to focus, you're no longer pure, you're no longer thinking strong. All right, go back to the PowerPoint. So don't drag me off with the wicked people who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. These are fools. These are people who are diluted, who have lost their saltiness. These are people who don't regard the works of the Lord or the works of God's hands. They're focused on themselves and their lives and what's important to them. Don't be like them. Don't run with them. I'm not saying don't influence them. Don't be in the world. You're in the world, but don't be of the world. Be different. You know what will happen to those people? He will tear them down and build them up no more. Now, it may not happen immediately, but it will happen as sure as two plus two is four. Because I'm in the middle of this trial, one of the things that I do uh, almost every day is I cross-examine somebody. And when I cross-examine them, I don't just take the sword and whack their head off. First, I get them to lay down. And put their head right at my best angle of attack. And when I've got them laid down and tied up where they can't move, then I whack their head off. God doesn't just whack the head off immediately. It may take some time, but as sure as two plus two is four, evil leads to death. It's why we don't want to have anything to do with it. It's why we need to become different people. we're, We're not, that's not where we want to be. Okay, next one. Turn the page. New subject. Psalm 28, 6 through 7. Blessed be the Lord. For he's heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. And I'm helped. My heart exalts. And with my song I give thanks to him. I love this. It's poetic in the Hebrew. I know what you're thinking. It doesn't rhyme. 
Well, Hebrew poems don't rhyme. That's not the hallmark of Hebrew poetry. My dad knew this well. Roses are red, violets are blue. Some points rhyme, but this some poems rhyme, but this one doesn't. I learned it growing up. Now, the key to Hebrew poetry is saying the same or a similar thought, or maybe even an exact opposite thought, one right after the other. It's called parallel structures. And, and, and when you have a statement and then you have a parallel statement, there'll be a little bit difference in that parallel statement. And that nuanced difference is where you start drawing the poetic meaning. So let me break this one up. Let me give you the two parallel structures. It's a little tough because the Hebrew, I mean, we've got 21 English words there to translate eight Hebrew words, the bottom part. So here it is. <clears throat> the, the opening structure line is, blessed be the Lord. So let's consider that the A line. I know what you're saying. That's red and black. That's the colors of Texas Tech. They beat TCU yesterday. Yes, that's all on purpose. Okay. Blessed be the Lord. Okay, I'm going to come back to this with a parallel thought in a minute. Because he's heard my cry, he's heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. Okay, so we've got an A thought and a B thought. A thought, blessed be the Lord. B thought, he's heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. Now here's the parallel. We have a parallel to the A thought. The Lord is my strength and my shield. That is the psalmist blessing the Lord. So you can bless the Lord. And one way to bless the Lord is to say, the Lord is my strength and my shield. So say it with me. The Lord is my strength and my shield. You have just blessed the Lord by attributing to him the place in your life he should have. But just as that second red letter phrase that I've put in the PowerPoint is a nuance off of the first red letter phrase, so the second black letter phrase nuances off the first black letter phrase. So the first black letter phrase is, because he's heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. Now here's a parallel thought. It's got a little nuanced difference, but here's what he's saying. In him, and this is just eight Hebrew words, but it looks really long in the English. In him, my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. The voice of my pleas for mercy, Lord have mercy, the voice of my pleas for mercy is my heart trusting in him. It's me being helped as my heart praises him. It's me being, it's his mercy that comes out as my song gives thanks to him. When we bless the Lord, when we proclaim him for who he is, he changes our lives. He measures up to the praise we give to him. 
If I proclaim him as my strength and my shield, do you know what he's going to be? My strength and my shield. I can trust in that. I can exalt in that. And then with my song, I can give thanks to him because of that. Now, what mess do you have going on in your life where you need the strength of the Lord? You need his protection as a shield. Wherever it is, what we need to do is trust in him, exalt in him, and give thanks to him who helps us. Now, some of you are saying, I never like poetry. I like prose. That's okay. Paul wrote almost the same thing in prose. Here it is. I know what you're saying too. You're saying the S doesn't fit in your PowerPoint. That's right. Sorry. Here's Paul saying it in prose. Don't be worried about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, remember our poetry? In him my heart trusts, I am helped, my heart exalts, with my song I give thanks to him. My shield, my, my strengths, my pleas for mercy, have mercy, don't be worried in anything. But in everything, by prayer, go before the Lord, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, it's the same thing. Blessed be the Lord. He's heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. I've called out to him with thanksgiving. In him my heart trusts. I'm helped. I've got peace. That passes understanding. We've got a benefit in our prose that the poet did not have. Because we've seen Jesus Christ. We know where the peace comes from. We know God has won. We know nothing will stop God from reaching into your life and mine. And working his will. Nothing. God will give his own to reach into our life to work out his will. We have no reason to worry. Okay, next subject. Psalm 29, 1 and 2. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Hebrew is actually sons of Elohim, B'nai Elohim. uh, Sons of God or heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord. To the Lord, glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Now, I put there uh, grammar with Mary, the imperative. Because we're going to school for a moment. The imperative is an English name given to a grammar form of an order, an instruction. It's not a request. It's not a suggestion. It's not a proclamation of what's happening. It's an instruction. It's an order. It's do this. Right, school teacher? English teacher? It's do this. So this passage has four imperative verbs in it in the Hebrew. Four times we're told, do this. Here they are in red. Ascribe... To the Lord, O heavenly beings, 
ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Now you're all Hebrew poets because we've talked about Hebrew poetry, right? You can also see the parallel structure here. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, you people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And you get a little fuzzed out there, O heavenly beings. You think, well, that's not really parallel to glory and strength, the glory due his name, the splendor of his holiness. It is in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it says, ascribe to the Lord, Benai Elohim. Sons of God. The, the very fact that we're present, we're present in relation to who God is. We're here because of who God is. We worship because of who God is. Our significance is because of who He is. We are, when we're worshiping the Lord, part of His glory and strength. When we are worshiping the Lord, we are part of the glory to His name. The glory to the name of God can be seen in us as we worship His name. We become the display, the beauty of His holiness when we are worshiping Him. So it's something we're to do. It's an imperative. It's an order. Do this. Ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord, i.e., worship the Lord. And that's the worship, hishtachavu in the Hebrew, that means put your, lie down, prostrate, put your nose on the ground. In, in the Greek, it becomes proskaneo, to, to put your nose down. And, and that's what we're to do. And when we do that, when we worship the Lord, when we fall before Him, we're just doing what we're supposed to be doing. And it's a good thing. Now, there's another little fun thing in this, and it's actually laced throughout Psalm 29, but we get a good flavor of it in these first two verses. You see another word that's just jumping off the page at you? Lord, Lord, Lord. His name. Lord. Remember in Hebrew, there's a, a significant moment when Moses is getting to know God speaking through the burning bush. And Moses says to God, you know, uh, I can go there, I can do what you're telling me to do, but they're going to want to know your name. And God says his name. And his name in, in Hebrew becomes ultimately the Hebrew equivalent of our English letters of Y, H, W, or V, H. We say Yahweh, or Yah, it's actually a German W, so it'd be Yahweh. We say Yahweh. We don't really know how they would say it, because generally, at least by the time of Jesus, they didn't say it. You would not pronounce it out loud. But that's the name of God. And it conveys the idea of action. It's, it's, it's probably built off of the Hebrew verb to be. And it might mean simply I am. 
or it might mean I will be. But God is. It's very simple, Moses. You go tell the people, I'm reality. I'm reality today and I'll be reality tomorrow. I am. God is the one who is. But that's his name in the Hebrew. Now the problem is, Hebrew's got lots of words that refer to God. We've got words like El, used with different things. And El is just an ancient um, Semitic word that means God. And it might be little g God. It might be big g God. We have Elohim, which is a plural form of God. Though, when it's used to refer to the Lord God, who's one, it always takes a singular verb because it's, it's a singular concept. So there's God, there's gods, there's Adonai, which means Lord. There's uh, uh, a number of different combinations. You, know, you can have El Elyon. You can have God Most High. You can have El Shaddai, God the Powerful. You can have lots of different combinations. So what are you going to do when you're a Bible translator and you're trying to put it into English and you've got this word Adonai that's translated Lord and it might just mean like Lord of the Manor or King or something like that. But you've also got Yahweh. How are you going to translate Yahweh? What they do in English Bibles is if they see the word Adonai, which just generally means Lord, they translate it, um, Adonai equals Adonai, well, there we go, equals, and we read it in English, Lord. But when they see the name of God, the, 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 in, in Hebrew, the tetragrammaton, the, when they see yod Hey vav Hey. They translate that, and they write it in our Bibles, Lord, but they use all uppercase letters so that we know the difference. So now, when you realize that that's technically the name of God in Hebrew, name is Shammai, it's not the word name, but but that's the name of God. Go back to the psalm, please. Ascribe to Yahweh, it's the name of God. O heavenly beings, ascribe to Yahweh, the name of God, glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh, the glory due his name. Worship Yahweh. See, his name is due glory. His name, who he is and what he's done is worth all of our worship. Name never meant simply a label. Name meant your character, your reputation, who you were. We still use it that way some today. Oh, uh, uh, you know, yeah, he's got a real good name. You know, you go buy a car from him. He's got a good name. Well, that doesn't mean you're going to like Smith on the bumper of your car. That means that they're reputable. There's someone you can deal with and trust. Psalm 9 verse 10. Those who know your name put their trust in you. It's not because we've unlocked a secret by learning Yahweh. It's because those who know who God is and what he's done will put their trust in him. We ascribe to the Lord. And when we do it, 
we're showing his glory as we do it. We ascribe to the Lord glory. We ascribe to him strength. This is what's due his name based on what he's done and what he's performed. And so we worship him. And the net net of this for me, bottom line, bottom line, the bottom line of the bottom line is I've been told to ascribe glory to God because he's worth it. Not because I'm afraid of him. Not because it's Sunday. Not because I got to get something. It's the right thing to do because of who he is. And if I don't see that, I'm not seeing him for who he is. And I need a better vision. Okay, next subject. This is actually the same psalm, and you'll see Lord used over and over and over and over in it. But I'm going to draw a different point from it. The voice of Yahweh is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord's powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks these big old cedar trees of Lebanon. The Lord makes Lebanon just skip like a calf. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire, lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth, strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. See, you got to link this to that other verse. If you're not ascribing glory to the Lord, you're not hearing his voice. Because if you hear his voice, oh, you're going to, oh, you will cry glory. Why? It's not just a voice. It's the voice of the Lord. That's who it is that's, that, that, that we're talking about here. Look, I don't care if you listen to me or not. I'm just some two-bit lawyer that's living in Dallas for the next six weeks to finish this stinker trial. But the Lord has a voice. And if there's anything in your life you want to listen to, that's who you want to listen to. Look at it. It's the voice of the Lord. The God of glory thunders. The Lord. The voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord. The Lord. The voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord. The voice. Are you getting it? God is speaking to you. The voice of the Lord is speaking to you and to me. Are we going to hear it? Or are we just going to write it off as thunder? Are we going to hear it? Or just write it off as lightning? God is speaking to us. Now, when? Well, God speaks when God wants. How He wants and when He wants. You see, the voice of the Lord is not a stereo that you can turn the volume up or down on. I believe I'd like to hear a little voice of the Lord today. Put volume on six. It'll be playing right after the spinners. Now, a little Bob Dylan first. He won the Nobel Prize in literature. Then I'll listen to the Lord. I'll end the day with a little Bruce Springsteen. Because I was born to run. I mean, no, God's not the stereo that we turn up and down. He's the flash of lightning. Now, you tell me, okay, I've decided I'd like lightning to hit 
right here at about 12.01. Let me step back. Who can do that? None of us. We don't direct God when to speak and where to speak. The voice of the Lord comes when God decrees it, how God decrees it. It's not a stereo. But I want to tell you something. We've seen how the Lord has chosen to give His small W word. And in Jesus Christ, we see His capital W final word. And God spoke. And lightning wishes it were that powerful. And thunder wishes it could make such noise. The voice of the Lord will change who we are. It will change our, our community. It will change our nation. And it will change our world. Brothers and sisters, I love you guys dearly. And I am so glad all of you realize how important it is that we vote in this election cycle. But I want to tell you something. I was talking to a dear, dear, dear brother of mine who said, I got to get out there and vote. This is my brother talking. He says, I got to get out there and vote because I care about, uh, and, and he was talking to me about a pro-life issue in the, in the Supreme Court. I want to challenge all of us not to ever let voting be our cop-out for failing to do the other things that we can do that will have a bigger impact. We've got some pregnancy services here, Mission Greenspoint. If we're not, if we're not conscientiously trying to support and help the, the, the people in our community who are faced with the issue of whether or not to abort a child, don't ever think, I'm pro-life, so I'm going to go vote. And by voting, you have done your duty. The voice of the Lord is a powerful voice, and it wants to change who we are and speak into our life, but it doesn't simply change the world internationally. It needs to change our community and our heart and who we are. Let the voice of the Lord speak to you. Listen to the voice of the Lord. Let him, let him change who you are and how you live. That's my, that's my prayer. I, I look at my day to day. I know the witnesses I've got to get ready for tomorrow. I know what this night has in front of me. And it is my prayer. Lord, please let me hear your voice in all of this and let me do the things today to your glory. Win, lose, or draw. Let me do the things today to your glory. That's what we need to be about. Okay, next. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up when I was down. When you're down and out, feeling low, or... When you're down and troubled and you need a helping hand. Those wonderful down and out expressions that we find in our singer-songwriters from the 60s, 50 some odd years ago, are not new expressions. The psalmist knew what it was to be down. I will extol you, O Lord, for you've drawn me up. And have not let my foes rejoice over me. O oh Lord my God, I cried to you for help. 
and you've healed me. I love this. Because there are times where I'm down. And I can fake myself up. I mean, there, 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 there are ways. Chocolate. The, the right music. Being with my wife. But there's a difference between tools that God may have given us to help prop us up and the one who is behind those tools. And so when we're down, we go to the Lord. Now, I'd love to tell you he's an elevator. You get in, you punch the button, and you're whisk right out of your misery. But the psalmist also says weeping can last for the night and rejoicing comes in the morning. So you may be up all night pouring your heart out to him. It may be a seasonal thing. <laughs> but that's okay. He's at work in you. And to the extent your suffering is helping the world's plan work out for his kingdom's good, then count yourself blessed to be deemed worthy of suffering for the sake of the kingdom. See, God's got this massive Sudoku puzzle he's got to work out where his kingdom comes. And the wild part, who does Sudoku? Okay. The wild part about it is his massive Sudoku puzzle the numbers get to pick what they want to be because we've got some free choice in this. And he's got to get it to all total 10 at the end. Fortunately, he's got his children who say, Lord, use me in your Sudoku puzzle to get your kingdom to glory and make it all work out. So when this Yahoo over here that should be a two decides to be a three, that's okay because even though you wanted me to be the three and I was looking forward to being the three, I'll be the two for you, Lord, to make your puzzle work. And yes, it's a letdown. I lost a third of what I had. But that's okay. If I'm suffering for you, how, what a blessing and honor it is. And don't let me be a sniveling little waif about it. I will extol you, O Lord. You've drawn me up. You won't let my foes rejoice over me. Weeping may last for a night, but rejoicing will come in the morning. Because rejoicing comes in the Lord's fullness of the Lord's kingdom and the Lord's will and His name. And if that's not where we get our rejoicing, we need to change what we rejoice over. Next. You are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you lead and guide me. Your name's sake, who you are, your reputation. Your reputation, Lord, is on the line. For your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Now you're thinking, into thy hand, I've commit my spirit. Whoa, that's from the Gospels. Yes, Jesus' final words on the cross. This is the psalm in Jesus' heart and mind while he's hanging about to die. Jesus says, to God, you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you lead me and you guide me. Into your hands I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. God would not leave Jesus in the pit of hell. Jesus entrusted himself to a God who for the sake of that own God's name 
would redeem Jesus and bring him back. Jesus knew this. There is a power in surrender. There is a power in raising the white flag to God. There is a power in saying, okay, I'm not protecting myself as well as I thought. You are my rock. You are my fortress. I'm not doing so good figuring out where to go. But your name's on the line because I'm playing on your team and I've told everybody that I want to be what you want me to be. That I want to go where you want me to go. I've committed that to you. So now your name's on the line. I'm not too worried about it anymore. I surrender. I've raised the white flag in my life. I have, I have said, I don't, look, in preaching school, they taught us the story of the, the pilot who's, who's taken the airplane through the storms and the storms are battering and the plane's not responding and the pilot's trying to land and the wind shear's bad and all of this stuff's going on and the pilot, Lord, Lord, please help me. Help me do this. I want, I've got a wife and kids. I want to land this plane safely. And, and, and then the, the plane breaks below the clouds and, and the pilot looks up and says, okay, I got it now. No, that's not the way we are. We're, we're surrendering from the beginning to the end. And there is a power in that. Because now God's name's on the line. God's purpose is on the line. And God's going to take care of it. Does that mean your life's going to be cushy, cushy? Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus is hanging on a cross about to die. When he says this. But look what happened. And we're all going to die anyway. We're all going to have horrible things that happen to us. Everybody in here almost will have a health crisis. Everybody in here almost will have a work crisis. Everybody in here almost will have a family crisis. Everyone in here almost will have horrible sin that they stumble into in their lives. That grabs them by the throat. It's part of this world. The question is, where's your rock? Where's your fortress? Who's going to rescue you? Are you going to bring yourself out of it? Or are you going to give it to the Lord and let him? Okay, we've got time for one more, maybe two. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, you're looking at that picture. That picture is a bunch of different colored yarns. Why did I put that picture up there? Let me tell you. There are lots of different Hebrew words that have little nuances to talk about our sins and to talk about God's forgiveness. It's all yarn, but it comes in different colors. And so we've got a number of those expressions all packed in together in this nice parallel, poetic, couple of verses from the Psalms. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. The word transgression, the Hebrew word transgression, in its nuanced idea, it talks about something that's been torn away torn down. So so here I've got my sheet. This is God. Here's the transgression. It's been ripped and torn away. 
Okay? So blessed is the one who's torn away is, that word forgiven, the idea behind it is lifted up. Blessed is the one who's torn away. Your transgression has been lifted back up and put back together. Blessed is the one whose sin, that idea of sin is a deviation from what God wants. It's where you went the wrong way. It's where you did something that that is out of bounds. It's where you deviated from what's right. Blessed is the one whose deviation is not seen. It's covered up. God doesn't reckon it. When you went the wrong way, when you did the wrong thing, when you got trapped into the sin, when you chose the sin of your own trapping, when, 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 you, when you did wrong by God's standard and measure, blessed is the one where God covers it up. Third expression. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. That word iniquity is a, a perversion. It's one, it, it, it's where, where the, 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 the iniquity is, 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 it's not just, gee, I didn't do what I should have done or I did what I shouldn't have done or something. It's where you've perverted it. I mean, you've distorted it. You've really messed it up. But the Lord doesn't count that. He doesn't number that. It's not on his list for you. But catch the little last line. Because here's the ironic punch of these two verses. Those in whose spirit there's no deceit. You see... This is saying, don't you cover your eyes to it. Don't you act as if nothing needs to be lifted up because nothing was torn away. Don't you think that your deviations aren't seen by you. Don't think you're perverted. Be real. Don't be deceitful. You know and I know what we have done. Be honest and confess it to the Lord and let him heal. That's the thrust. In the New Testament, we learn it's repent, confess, and let the blood of Jesus wash over us. Okay, you, you get two, one more last. Let's do one last one. Um, this I love this. I love any time we, we can start in the middle and work out. In fact, I'm going to do two really quick. Our soul waits for the Lord. He's our help and our shield. Four, our heart is glad in him because we trust In his holy name. His reputation is unlike any others. It's holy and we trust in it. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. So I like to start from the middle of this one and work out. Our hearts are glad in him. I trust in his name. And that's why at the start, I'll wait for the Lord. My help and shield. Because my heart's glad in him, I can wait. Because I trust in his name, I can wait knowing he's my help and shield. 
And then we can also work from that middle down. Because my heart's glad in him, I know that his steadfast love will be upon me. Because I trust in his holy name, I know his steadfast love will be upon me even as I hope in him. So where does this leave you and me? Put your heart in the Lord. Be glad in him. Be excited for him. Be enthused with him. Trust in his holy name. Just rely upon him. And then you can wait for him and he will be your help and he will be your shield and he will show up in his good timing. And his steadfast love will be upon you. Last one is just my sharing from me to you. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. I'm, I'm going to praise the Lord, bless the Lord at all times. I want his praise to continually be in my mouth. I want to boast in him. I don't want to boast in me. I don't want to boast in anybody. I want to boast only in the Lord and what he's done. If something good happens, praise the Lord. If something bad happens, praise the Lord. I'm going to boast in the Lord. Uh, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ, my Lord. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. That's what the psalmist is saying. And it's a me to we. It says, I'm going to do that. If you're humble, you see the Lord for who he is, and you're not playing God yourself, Join with me and let's do that together. That's a good one to end on. Can I bless you in the name of Jesus? Father, uh, uh, with boasting in the powerful name of Jesus, who he is, what he's done, what you have done for us, Lord. We come before you, we thank you, and I charge you, Father, with blessing and praise and trust that you would shower your love, your protection, your peace, your hope, your guidance, your confidence on my friends that fall with me before you, seeking you in this world and beyond. In Jesus we pray it. Amen.